Hello, and welcome to Device Week, a podcast from MedTech Insight. I'm Executive Editor Sean Schmidt, and with me today are Senior Reporters Elizabeth Orr and Sue Darcy. Sue, we're going to chat with you in a moment about the shifting balance of power on the Supreme Court and what that could mean for MedTech. But first, let's talk a bit about the upcoming U.S. presidential election. Obviously, Republican incumbent President Donald Trump and Democratic challenger and former Vice President Joe Biden offer starkly different visions for the future of the country, including the court system. But for device companies, some of the effect on the ground may be muted by the continuing power of Trump's judicial appointments. Elizabeth, you dug into this one for MedTechInsight.com. What did you find? What I was looking at with this story is how the election's outcome could affect ongoing legal issues for the device community, things like off-label marketing enforcement, patent law, and FDA preemption. Those are areas where, historically, Democrats have leaned toward heavier regulation and Republicans have offered more protection for industry. But in this particular situation, that difference may not be apparent, at least in the short term. One of the experts I spoke with was Stuart Gerson, a partner with the law firm Epstein, Becker & Green, who served as acting attorney general early in the Clinton administration. And he told me that the sheer number of judges appointed by President Trump may act as an effective roadblock against potential changes to device law. Now, Trump had appointed 194 active federal judges as of July, about 24% of all judges on the bench. That's the most any president has seen seated during a single term. More currently active judges, about 312, were appointed by former President Obama, but they were, of course, confirmed over eight years. What that means, Gerson and others said, is that the Trump administration's influence will be embedded in the judicial system for at least a few decades. And that's independent of the potential Supreme Court confirmation of Judge Amy Coney Barrett that we'll be discussing with Sue, right? Right. The Supreme Court only hears about 100 to 150 cases per year, while there are thousands being decided in federal circuit courts and courts of appeals. And crucially, President Trump's appointments have left no vacancies at the federal appellate court level. So functionally, Biden would be coming in with one hand tied behind his back if he were to win the race. That's interesting. What kind of policies tend to unite those judges? The conservative judges appointed by Trump tend to take a more textualist approach to the law than judges appointed by past administrations. That means they rely on the ordinary meaning of a legal text rather than looking beyond it to factors such as the intentions of the legislators or the problem the law was intended to serve. While many jurists who take this approach lean conservative, it also finds a place with liberals like Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan. And textualist judges are likely to place stricter limits on what actions are permitted for executive branch agencies, such as the Food and Drug Administration. What that means for device companies is that any democratic efforts to expand federal power are going to face an uphill battle in the legal system. That applies to areas where the FDA has arguably tried to go beyond its mandate, like regulation of lab-developed tests but also to enhance regulations more generally. In those cases, textualist judges are going to look more at the law itself and less at guidance documents and regulations the agency may have issued. That means Congress will need to write laws in a way allowing for a minimum of interpretation, and federal agencies should hew closely to establish procedures in issuing new regulations. What about enforcement issues, like the False Claims Act? That's another area where we shouldn't expect too many changes, albeit for a slightly different reason. Basically, the False Claims Act is very powerful politically because it allows the government to focus on money saved via efforts to curb fraud and abuse while ducking more controversial overhauls to healthcare policy in general, and no one's likely to disrupt that. One potential difference there is that the Trump Justice Department has been slightly more willing to intervene to have whistleblower suits dismissed, 
But that's still a relatively small number of cases and rarely comes into play in cases with large amounts of money on the line. So we could see a few more FCA prosecutions under Biden, but it's far from clear that the impact would be significant. Well, either way, there's plenty to watch for. Thanks for that report, Elizabeth. Now let's turn to Sue for a quick discussion about the Supreme Court. After the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you wrote for MedTechInsight.com how President Trump's expected conservative replacement for her could affect the medtech industry. Give us a taste of how the court's decisions have impacted medtech in recent years. Previously, the Supreme Court has ruled on the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act, or ACA, passed by Congress in 2010. The High Court has also made precedent-setting rulings concerning the preemption of medical devices that have been reviewed by the FDA through its PMA process. Okay, but why should the constitutionality of the ACA matter to makers of medical devices? Because ACA coverage provides payments to treat existing conditions that medtech products address, including heart disease, cancer, and diabetes, to name a few. If a newly formed Supreme Court with conservatives outweighing liberals by a six to three margin sits to rule on the constitutionality of the health care law, there's a good chance it will strike it down. Of course, that then begs the question, how would people who now gain their coverage through the ACA be covered? Also, ACA coverage in general raises the bar for what insurance policies should be covering. Is there any reason that this is an immediate problem, a problem which a replacement Supreme Court justice and a newly formed court would have to address? Yes, there's a case to be heard before the court known as California versus Texas that asks the question, now that the individual mandate provision has been removed from the ACA, can its other provisions stand alone and still have a force on their own? King and Spalding partner Kyle Sampson told me in an interview that this case, which will test what is known as the severability of other portions of the ACA from the individual mandate provision, will be heard by the Supreme Court on November 10th. Okay, so tell us more about this severability and how it would work in the California versus Texas case. Sure. There are several other provisions in the Affordable Care Act that opponents to the state attorneys general who originally brought the case to district courts are arguing have a great deal of merit and should be able to be divided or severed from the individual mandate provision. This is why attorneys like Sampson, as well as Covington and Burling partner Shankar Duraswamy, say the severability question is so important. One of the most important provisions still intact in the ACA is its guaranteed coverage of pre-existing conditions. Without that guarantee, then cheaper, shoddier insurance policies could be sold that would not cover a patient who needed treatment for an ongoing condition like cancer or diabetes, or who had heart conditions that ultimately require costly surgeries. What other parts of the ACA could be struck down? One very popular provision of the law allows young adults up to the age of 26 to be covered by their parents on their insurance policies. 
Without that coverage requirement, it's very likely that many young adults just starting out in life with lower paying jobs than older folks would forgo getting health insurance. And that's a scary thought, especially during an ongoing worldwide pandemic. So the attorneys you talked to said it's almost a foregone conclusion that when the new court, which will likely include conservative Judge Barrett, sits to hear this ACA case in November, that it'll roll to strike down the entire law? Actually, Samson and Duraswamy told me that's not necessarily true. Duraswamy said a ruling in the California versus Texas case may not cleave along liberal versus conservative lines. Okay, you said there's another issue which could come before a more conservative Supreme Court which has to do with preemption of PMA-approved devices from lawsuits. What's going on there? Unpack that for us. Right now, the courts will not consider any lawsuits in which a patient claims they have been harmed by a PMA-approved device because of a precedent set in the Supreme Court over a decade ago. In the 2008 court case, Medtronic versus Regal, the high court ruled that sponsors of PMA-approved devices could not be held responsible for any harms or damages because FDA's PMA process for MedTech products is so thorough that the device could not have caused a serious injury or death. At that time, the court, with the exception of Justice Ginsburg, who was skeptical of the agency's ability to guarantee that any device was 100% safe and effective, agreed with the PMA preemption argument. Okay, then. I can see why this precedent is so important to the susceptibility of medtech products to any future tort lawsuits. Interesting stuff. Thanks for digging into that, Sue. Listeners, you can check out Sue and Elizabeth's stories on these topics and much more online now at MedTechInsight.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at MedTech underscore Insight. For now, thanks for listening. <laughs>